Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is the Crime Stoppers Victoria podcast. It's Saritha Viswasam here. Thanks for joining us for part two of our discussion on bushfire arson and reckless fires. We continue our discussion with Detective Acting Inspector Mark Kennedy and Detective Acting Senior Sergeant Glenn Weaver of Victoria Police's Arson Squad. In part two, we take a look into reckless behaviour that can result in the lighting of dangerous fires how fires can impact suburban Melbourne, and how states are collaborating with one another to optimise fire safety and response management. Hope you enjoy the discussion. You've touched on reckless fires uh, before, and really that's the type of fire that starts that really any member of the public could accidentally trigger. Mm. But I guess the term reckless um, does suggest that there is some sense of uh, irresponsibility on the person who has lit the fire. How can we uh, define reckless fires in terms of their nature? Well, reckless fires, um, it basically means a person's conduct. Um, what they're about to do or what they're doing, could that probably result in a fire? And if the person thinks, well, yeah, it probably could result in a fire, but I'm going to do it anyway... I'm going to take that risk and do it. And, you know, is, is a fire likely to happen? Well, yeah, it probably is likely to happen, but I'm still going to do that. So on a total fire ban day, I might use a welder outside or a grinder outside or, um, you know, use the harvester with a really red-hot exhaust. Uh, you know, is it likely to ha- cause a fire? Well, it probably is, but I'll still take the risk and do it. That's reckless, negligent behaviour, and that's actually a crime. Um, you know, to start that fire. And then again, once the fire starts, am I able to put it out? Have I got equipment, um, firefighting equipment set up just in case? Have I got a water tank set up, fire hose? If I haven't taken any care to do that and basically don't care, then that's when that reckless conduct kicks in. Yeah, there's certain elements to recklessness, recklessly causing a bushfire. Yeah, well, uh, it's interesting because you would think that with these fires and, and them taking place, that the person who has done that sort of behaviour, using a welder, etc., they would be mindful that that is a potential risk of that behaviour. Mm. That's very much the, not not assessing the risk or not caring about the risk, which I think Mark touched on as well. That's, that's the issue. And the conduct that's been done 
um, resulting in fire, the fire spreading and then spreading out of their control and then impacting all the emergency services in relation to that. And it, yeah, it's a significant issue and a major contributor to um, uh, fire starting each season. And in terms of them triggering into major fires, what sort of examples can you provide uh, as far as that uh, leading into a major incident? Uh, look, there's been a few examples earlier, uh, or sorry, late last year, <coughs> of farmers burning off or doing a, maybe just doing a burn of um, cut down trees and debris, uh, and it might have been on a cooler day, uh, and they've burned a whole pile of rubbish, and that, that fire's gone for days and days and days, and then they've left it thinking, oh, it's out, whereas it might be just simmering, a stump might be burning underneath and simmering for sometimes for weeks and weeks and then it's not having the foresight to see that you know and the weather predicts that another fortnight we're going to have a 40 degree day with high winds and and that farmer might have uh, some scrub nearby um, or a crop a very dry crop which could catch on fire so that stump could flare up again because of the wind the hot wind and the high temperature and the fire could get away um, so yeah, that's that's an example of sort of that reckless behaviour and getting away, and then there could be five hundred metres away, uh, you know, a radiator pine forest, which is very dry, and that could ignite and, and gets away on everyone and catches on fire. Mm. So they can really go from a minor thing, what seems to be a minor thing like a stump, to a large bushfire. Mm. Yeah, well, the, the one I'm talking about didn't actually get to that but it did get into a small grass fire and took quite a, a few hours to, to extinguish. Mm, well, yeah. yeah, it just shows that the flow-on effect from the initial um, burn in, in that circumstance yeah. can really trigger yeah. a series of other fires which were unintended. Mm. Yeah. Correct. So we look at fires that take place in the countryside and... With the growth of Melbourne uh, expanding, you know, outer and outer, would you say that with the growth in the population that there is potential for residential areas to get affected from the starting of fires? Uh, definitely, and it happened, um, I think it was last week in Taylor's Lakes, with that sort of urban That's fringe it. going yeah. on to the, those grassland areas, and it's happened every season since, certainly. Um, in the last four years since I've been at the squad as well in relation to those outer suburban suburbs that are impacting the grassland areas of the outer fringe of Melbourne as well. Certainly, um, and we've had uh, many media campaigns about when those type of grass fires start and then approach um, uh, dwellings, that people move back two streets away from the fire front approaching and um, it has a massive impact on the, um, on the metropolitan areas because... Suddenly, very large and fast-moving grass fires are impacting, you know, suburban Melbourne or the outer fringe of fringes of uh, suburban Melbourne, as happened last week at Tales Lakes. Mm, yeah, that 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 was that was huge. Well, you can get the impression that the public from Melbourne, uh, suburban Melbourne, might think bushfires and the like are are a country, a country problem. problem. Yeah, and therefore it is something worth highlighting because. Really, these fires can can spread pretty fast if there's an open area of, of grass. Def, definitely, and it'd be, it's surprising how quickly they move. And um, certainly, from an, 
response factor. It, it, it's many, many fire trucks and all of a sudden Elvis, the, um, the aerial crane, flies in and has to drop a, you know, tonnes of water on, the, on a fast-moving fire that's about to impact. And I think with Tails Lakes it was, it was fortunate that it, it did impact the, um, the rear yards and rear fencing of, of uh, dwellings, but it didn't actually um, destroy houses, but it was very close to. Mm. So it can be very impactful, very dangerous, very quickly. Yeah, well, uh, speaking of uh, that example, the Taylor's Lakes one, in terms of your involvement in Victoria Police, how would you engage in a situation like that? It's a bit like before. There's the emergency response, so assisting the fire agencies um, attack and put out the fire, so from an emergency response point of view, and then working with... um, uh, local police or local detectives, we'd support them in any way we could. Uh, it might it might involve um, engaging with specific fire investigators from the fire services and or the arson chemist to go there and search for a um, and and identify how the fire started. So how the fire started and where it started, mm. and, and establishing if there are suspicious circumstances or is it some other reason why the fire started. Okay, well, yeah, that uh, can be a, quite an interesting responsibility. As far as the outcomes you guys have had with reckless fires, what would you say have been major causes of uh, them taking place across the state? Well, they, they vary, and, and, and I think the data shows... A lot of them is the unattended or careless campfires. Um, and and I think recently or even this year, because of COVID and the, and the restrictions on the interstate travel and certainly international travel, so a lot of people, Victorians, are restricted to travelling within Victoria. And they want, you know, they have their annual holiday and they want to get away, rightly so, and, and they go camping. And I think a lot are uneducated or ill-informed about actual campfires and safety. And a lot of the data, or some of the data, shows that people are just totally unaware of a high fire danger period or restriction for a particular area. Some are unaware that it's actually a total fire ban day for an area, and they've lit a campfire to either cook uh, or entertainment at night, and that fire's got away on them. So that's a quite a common cause. Um, so it's that camping. Uh, and then there's these, the foolish, um, you know, the bored youth in certain... We've, talk, we've talked about uh, the f- urban fringes. You might get the bored youth who want to light a rubbish bin or, uh, you know, light a little fire in a park and that can get away on them as well. Yeah, so this reckless... I mean, that's deliberate, but uh, there's a lot of reckless behaviour. Fireworks comes into it, mm. New Year's Eve, people using fireworks in hot weather in dry area that can, that's, you know, can cause a fire as well. But it's also, as we said earlier, you know, the farmers and their machine, not just blaming farmers, but people using machinery, riding a trail bike through a dry paddock on a total fireman day with a hot exhaust, that's, you know, that's caused fires as well. There's mm. all, all sorts of different causes, isn't there, Glenn? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah, it's harder to find one. It's, it's, it's given the circumstances... Um, uh, the area where you are could be tall grass, it might be small grass, or it might be forest. But um, making a decision that's um, where there's the foresight of, or a reasonable foresight or chance that a fire could occur, but deciding to do it anyway. 
Mm. Burning off rubbish is a, quite a common one too, statistically. And as Glenn just said, you know, if I burn off this rubbish in this area, um, you know, another part of recklessness or reckless conduct is if I start a fire, is it likely to spread? Well, if it's a total fire ban day and, you know, 86 kilometre winds, yes, it is likely to spread. So that's where that criminal element comes into it. It's that, you know, I'm prepared to risk it, even though I probably will cause a, a bushfire, and that's why it's a crime, because it's very, very dangerous, can get away very quickly. Well, yeah. with these types of activities, the person who's committing them would have some knowledge that they uh, aren't doing necessarily the right thing on that particular day as far as... Uh, being safe for the general community. Mm. But in terms of it being considered a crime, how hard is that to sort of um, establish or or connect to, given there could be some level of uh, interpretation? That's always a dilemma, I suppose, in relation to prove whether it's a a crime or not. It's what the person was thinking at the time... Um, whatever they've done, what the actual behaviour is, given the totality of the circumstances as well. So it's, it's not an easy thing to, to prove one way or the other, but it's having the, um, the knowledge and the capacity to conduct an investigation with an open mind where you can prove these things and prove the decision-making was conscious, was in their eyes what, what they chose to do at the time, but the consequences of, of that behaviour... Um, did or didn't take into, into account whether that would start a fire and having to explore all that, mm. I suppose, and, and prove it. So it's a challenge. But I think with the campaigns that, that have been held over many years now, uh, people have a greater appreciation of, um, their, of the consequences of, dirt and, of doing certain activities in, in the summer season and the, the chances of um, making poor decisions, if you like, given the, the breeze, the topography of the area has consequences where, you know, fire is very likely when mm. doing the wrong thing or not considering the fact that, uh, as a consequence, um, fire is, is a potential outcome. Mm. Well, yeah, that, that's uh, good to point out. I think with uh, the example you provided about the dirt bike and the with the exhaust, I guess mm. people like me who don't ride dirt bikes might mm. not think... Uh, can have the connection between it starting a fire. But if you're riding a bike regularly, I guess you'd have that awareness that these things mm. are potentially risky. That's right, yeah. And bushfires are dependent on uh, topography, fuel and, and wind. So if there's uh, topography, I mean the land up and down, you know, if it's hilly and if it's really, really windy and there's long, tall, uh, dry grass... And it's a it's a pretty dangerous thing to do. Probably dangerous to do any activity with any machinery in a paddock like that that could cause a spark or you know a hot exhaust or a chainsaw or as I said earlier a welder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as I say, if you're going to do that activity, are you prepared to put a fire out? Have you got the equipment to put a fire out if it starts? And if the fire does start, what's the likelihood of that fire spreading? Which you know in those in those certain conditions, it's likely to spread out of control very, very quickly. Mm. Yeah. Some fires spread, they can spread so quickly you can't outrun it um, mm. you know, because of the wind. So that's how dangerous it gets. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, yeah, that is pretty intense. Yeah. So as far as how yeah. things have travelled in terms of our progression and, and fire safety awareness over the years, 
What can you say about how the community as a whole has improved in its ability to uh, make better decisions uh, come total fire ban days and the like? I think overall the community are far, from when I grew up in the country, they're far better educated now and certainly more conscious and aware and, and certainly concerned. I mean, community have always been concerned, rightly so, but they're... Uh, I think we've come a long way in educating the community in the risks and the awareness. And, and there's, as we said earlier at the start of this conversation, that year-round campaign networking and education, we used the example of Taylor's Lakes, it's, we, we talked to local agencies and councils about slashing and cutting back that grass during winter so it's not so long, you know, when we get to the summer season. So, yeah, the community is certainly aware of it. Yeah. I think it's a whole of community response, not just yeah. from from agencies involved with um, uh, with the fire suppression or investigating fire and so on. It's it's everyone. There's a general level of um, awareness that's been advanced certainly from when I first started with this a long time ago now to um, everybody having buy into the to the awareness and the campaign that that happens year round now. Not just well, obviously it's more enhanced over summer. But it's a it's a year year long um, awareness campaign that everybody has buy in with, and that that's a massive improvement for what it used to be. Mm, that's terrific. And as far as uh, Victoria Police and their ability to engage with other authorities and with the local communities, how would you say has has that evolved in in recent years? Um, oh, I think it's come a long way in. You know, not that it was ever ever bad, but it's come a long way where we, we travel to those communities and talk to the local police. And I should have said earlier that there's a strategy that comes out every year called Operation Safeguard, which is brought out by the State Emergency Support Command, um, of which the arson squad are a part of that strategy. And that talks about, that's a long document that goes out to all the police and it talks about engaging with the community and all the agencies and being aware of geographically your own area, your regional area, wherever that country or metropolitan place is, and all the agencies in that place uh, and what the weather will be, the weather forecasts, and those police get uh, forecasted weather maps throughout the summer season. It's been prepared for the summer season and we work off that strategy, which is called Operation Safeguard, which is about the the detection, prevention and management of fire events which, as we said, is a year-long thing. And part of that has educated us uh, to help educate the community in, in preparing for the summer season. Well, that, yeah. that, that's excellent. Yeah. And uh, given the magnitude of last season's fires, is there communication with other states as far as how they handle these type of instances? Well, very much so. Um, we're, we're a major part of the National um, Arson Training Workshop. And the, it's basically um, uh, police police services around Australia getting together to share best ideas with practice, um, trends, issues, something that's popped up out of left field, so to speak. Um, and that's right around Australia. So our relationships with our interstate partners are really important and are used all the time, quite regularly. Um, Queensland police have experienced normally what's, you know, tropical rain and wet weather over summer. I think last year they had major um, bushfire campaigns which is unheard of for for Queensland and so the relationships and networks we already had were used 
you know, in in the heat of battle for for them responding to and investigating their series of bushfires they had because normally it's tropical rain and cyclones and so on, but they had a series of bushfires that they had to deal with because they were happening. Mm. And so all of a sudden they were leaning on both New South Wales and Victoria um, uh, arson squads to um, help them out with practical information and practical methods in relation to responding to that and investigating those those type of incidents. Mm. So, yeah, very, very much collaborative approach to what we do right around Australia. Oh, that's terrific. Well, uh, it's certainly mm. great to see uh, the progress made in, in, in this space, certainly with uh, not only the arson squad and its ability to piece together information regarding deliberately lit fires, but also the community's ability to protect themselves and uh, the local authorities helping the community keep fire safe. Mm. What advice can you provide to the community as far as doing their bit to ensure that no um, deliberately lit fires are made across the state? Uh, Look, I think uh, it's just been aware of their own particular environment, town, uh, area where they live and, and what the weather forecast is because the weather forecasts are different every year. <coughs> we have those extreme summer seasons and some aren't so bad. Touchwood at the moment, our weather's not too bad. And as I say, we have a, a prolonged wet season, we hope, for, for a little bit longer. But uh, our, my advice to the community is just be aware of your own area. Uh, keep a listen to the radio, you know, ABC radio in the country is very good, but your particular radio station, um, talk to your local police everyone else in the community and just be aware of what's happening in your own environment with the the weather, um, the environment, what the season's going to look like, uh, what's happened in the last few years in your area, what happened last year, the year before. Uh, use that to teach you or educate you on how to better prepare for this year, what you can do in your own house if you're on an acre block, how you can, do you need to cut back a few more trees or not, get advice from the council, uh, the local community, the local police, your, your CFA people, get to know them, introduce yourself and talk to people. If you're going away, let people know. Um, yeah, that's about all I can think of. There's many things, but it's just being aware of your own environment, you know, where you live and learning from uh, previous seasons, sadly. Yeah. Mm. Oh, very much the same. Don't they do? Yeah. I think Mark's covered it well. That's great. Well, certainly very helpful tips and uh points of advice to provide to the community. I think engaging with uh, the CFA or, or your local council is certainly mm. something that would have value, even though you might think it's something you might not be uh, instinctive in doing. But if fire is a potential risk in, in your area, then I'm sure that they'll be very uh, happy to uh, speak to you um, about these sort of things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, the CFA tend to have um, those open nights and you can go in and, and you can discuss, they'll do a bit of a, a, a workshop and, and go over a, a number of topics regarding keeping fire safe. So those type of uh, events are certainly helpful. Yeah, that's right. They are very helpful. Yeah, and, and the CFA, they're all very, very approachable. And as we know, they're now called Fire Rescue Victoria in most regions. They're very, very approachable and happy to have a chat and love giving advice to the community when, when they're asked. Yeah, they give good advice. Yeah, and certainly the local police, the local one-man policeman or policewoman, um, you know, they love to have a chat to the local people and just talk about the season and what it, 
might be looking like and how better to better to prepare. Yeah, that's great. Well, certainly, yeah. we're all here to work together, and uh, yeah. and yeah, uh, and your local community is certainly uh, important in terms of uh, us all keeping one another safe. Mm. Well, it's been terrific to chat with you both, Mark and Glenn. We've covered off on bushfires and reckless fires in quite significant depth and uh, we certainly value your expertise uh, on the subject and hope that our listeners have found it very informative i'm sure they uh, will go go and take the points that you've provided us uh, on board and uh, and use it to their benefit and to the community's benefit are there any final words you'd like to share with us and to our listeners uh, in relation to bushfires reckless fires and any other types of fires across the state? Oh, it's just to plan and prepare. So whatever your own environment looks like, understand that, as, as Mark touched on. Uh, don't be complacent. Make sure you have plans in place. If a fire approaches from whatever direction and whatever situation, you have a plan to, to respond. So you're not in a panic. You've already thought about it. You know what your response could be, if you like. And um, everybody... in that's um, with your family is aware of what the plan is and and it be in a position at all times to enact that plan and respond to, um, safely to protect yourselves, your, your your assets, but you know your family most importantly as as well. Yeah, that's a very good point. As in having a fire plan and revising that plan as the years go on with um, those specialist ad- advice from the fire agencies. Um, and I suppose, in, in just in finishing up, I just want to say I don't want to offend my country cousins that 99.9% of farmers in the community do a fantastic job in their year-round activities in using that machinery and nearly all of them are, are great in uh, avoiding starting fires and they're aware of what's happened in previous years and they have a plan and they stick to it and they're just very conscious of when to use machinery and, when, and more importantly, when not to. So most people do a great job. Yeah, and, and hopefully we have a good season this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Well, um, yeah. terrific to um, tap with you once again, and, and 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 thanks so much for your time, and all the best with uh, uh, managing um, this bushfire season. No worries. No Thank worries. you. Thanks for having us, Roy. Terrific to chat with Detective Acting Inspector Mark Kennedy and Detective Acting Senior Sergeant Glenn Weaver of Victoria Police's Arson Squad. Hope you have found the discussion informative and beneficial. To keep up to date with all Crime Stoppers Victoria podcasts, hit the follow or subscribe button on your podcast player. Thanks for listening today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.